Welcome to the DNVGL Talks Energy podcast series. Electrification, rise of renewables and new technologies supported by more data and IT systems are transforming the power system. Join us each week as we discuss these changes with guests from around the industry. Welcome to a new episode of DNVGL Talks Energy. My guest today is Carlos Albero, the Global Finance Segment Leader of DNVGL Energy. Welcome, Carlos. Thank you very much, Matthias. Carlos, uh, we today want to talk about financing the energy transition. Uh, before we go into this, it would be great if you could give us a little bit of background about yourself. So I'm a mechanical engineer by training and I joined DNVGL 10 years ago. Uh, I've been working mainly with uh, development banks and, and corporate banks in financing uh, projects all over the world, especially Spain uh, and Latin America. Uh, lots of projects in Mexico, Brazil, Chile, and working with all kinds of investors, from uh, the development banks that I mentioned before to uh, equity investors, uh, investment funds, pension funds. So all kinds of, uh, of stakeholders within the, the finance world. To get us started, maybe you can share with us what is happening in the energy industry, which makes it interesting for investors. Okay, so I think that that energy industry has been uh, targeted as a, as a very first profitable market for the, for the investors. So the returns that they are expecting are being met by the energy projects. But then it's a market in which we are forecasting an ex extremely exponential growth. Uh, we are expecting uh, lots of energy towards the electrification market. So that, that means that we will need further plants uh, that will generate more electrical energy in order to provide the transition that we need. Uh, and I think that this has been spotted by the investors. They see it as a, as a growing market, so that's why it provides them the framework that they need uh, in terms of uh, having a forecastable future into their investments, uh, so they are able to get the returns along the time that they expected. Right. Um, also here on the Singapore International Energy Week, we had a few discussions about financing, and, and one theme which came up was that there's also somehow a responsibility maybe to make banks and investors more familiar with investments into the energy sector. So. What makes investing in the energy infrastructure different from investing in, let's say, a car company or telecommunication industry? Okay, so I, I, I would say that the particularities of, of uh, investing in energy is that there's a, there's a, a, a history that comes uh, in the past, especially in renewables, talking about fitting tariff schemes, in which uh, it was very easy to forecast that your asset was going to have this kind of revenues for, for this amount of time. Uh, and this has been changing quite a lot in the, in the last few years. We are moving for, from those schemes towards new merchant schemes, uh, and that means market risk. Uh, so that's something that is new to investors, and, and it's something that they have to take into account while, while they are getting into those investments. Uh, I think that comparing to those sectors that you were mentioning before, telcos or, or automation industry, uh, energy uh, is different because you have an asset that it is generating electricity for uh, for a long a very long period you need to operate the asset you need to keep that asset with the performance levels that you were uh, forecasting before and that requires not just sitting down in your chair and letting someone else uh, do the job it's also 
doing a proper asset management, doing a, 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 a surveillance on, on your activity and on the market at the same time. So, so it's, it's not just about gaining efficiency like it could be in the automation industry and taking for granted the market side. In terms of there will always be an amount of people that will be buying cars. But uh, you have to take care of uh, how the, the environment is growing around the energy, the energy market. So I think that this kind of looking to the both sides is a, it's a unique uh, insight from the energy market. So what kind of information may investors lack or what value may they underestimate to then really make an investment decision? Okay, so we, we've had lots of experiences, especially in, on the merchant acquisitions market. The, the merchant acquisitions market works on a very different basis than, than the rest of, of, the, of the projects that we usually work in, like due diligence, in which you have a, a very defined time, time, uh, time frame. Uh, in this case, it happens the same, but it's much shorter. So decisions are very swift. Uh, so in, in this kind of rush towards the M&A processes, what we feel that, uh, that there's lack of is uh, that people usually don't look at the conditions in which the asset has been operating uh, in the past and, and what kind of, of upsides uh, or downsides you may have in your assets. So sometimes you, you need a little bit of time to, to take care of those things uh, and, and we usually don't have those in this kind of operations. So I would, I would suggest that a very detailed uh, look should be taken into the operational history of the assets, uh, which tells you not just the condition in which the asset is today, uh, you can take the car to your car wash and it will look very nice, but if you, if you open the hood and look at it, uh, it may look very different. So, so that's what, uh, what we think we should, uh, we should provide to the investors that are getting into this, uh, into this market, a very detailed uh, view under the hood of the of renewable assets or, or conventional assets as well. Right. Uh, so fortunately, the emergency of uh, a transition uh, of the energy system has been kind of understood now, but still we hear from investors that there's money available, but sometimes they have trouble to find projects. Bankable yeah. projects, whatever they are, not sizable enough. So on that side of uh, of the spectrum, what what is holding us back to move faster to invest more in renewable energy projects? I think it's it's exactly as you suggest. The the money is there, so there's a lot of interest in the market to get uh, money into the energy business. The main issue is to find what we call bankable projects, and what what the finance uh, what the finance segment means by bankable is that they have the requirements in order to meet their their risk committees with with enough certainty to lend the money to those projects, and that means that they have to have a, a reliable technology. So there's no room for uh, for uh, for experiments at this time. Uh, we need to have a reliable technology, which is the case of wind, solar at uh, this time, but also the other uh, the other so the other energy sources. It's also to have the proper framework, uh, and it's the regulatory framework that which lacks off uh, in in mainly in, in emerging economies, but also in some stable countries. Uh, in in lots of stable countries, for instance, storage does not have a proper framework at this time, uh, and it could be uh, it could be something that will be developed in the future that will allow further integration of, of renewals as well. But in in the in the emerging economies, uh, the, to have a proper development phase of the projects uh, in which land rights, uh, connection agreements, PPAs are being able to be set on a, on a stable legal way. 
that's that's I think one of the of the pending milestones in in most of of these emerging economies. Besides this, is it's just a matter of establishing the the proper market rules a long time. So for for variable energies, for instance, it's very important to have a floor price in the in the in the in the market that that provides lots of certainty. But besides this. If there's a proper assessment of the risks in a in an electrical market, you can forecast what's going to happen. Uh, electrical electrical markets ha have have a lot of inertia in terms of the costs of the energy changing. So if you're able to do an assessment on that, uh, uh, that that provides lots of comfort to the investors. So I think that these three things are the major ones, the three dimensions that we're looking at: regulatory framework, technology, and the market uh, the market revenues. Talking about the comfort of investors, maybe you can also give us some investment advice uh, with all the uh, build-out of renewables dependent on the penetration ratio. Uh, there will be new technologies required, storage, flexibility, demand response. If you would have to make a decision or give an advice, what you would put your money on, what would that be? I would think that storage and grids would be my major, uh, my major winning horses. Uh, for certain Once the penetration levels of renewables are are uh, are higher, we need more flexibility from the grid side, and uh, and that that provides uh, comes from two sides: the number of tools that you have in hand in order to cope with variability. So once you have no wind or no sun, how how do you get the, the energy that you need uh, from uh, conventional power plants, from storage plants? That's That's the kind of flexibility that that uh, that it's needed by the system, and also how strong the grid uh, in which you are connected is. So, uh, in countries like the European countries or or the US, where you have a very strong and meshed grid, uh, you have a lot of tools. If you have a shutdown in a certain substation, to get the backup power from from different sites, which it doesn't happen in in other areas of the world like Southeast Asia or or Africa, in which The development of such of such grids is simply not feasible within a very short time time frame. Uh, recently, I was in the Mauritius uh, island in the African Energy Congress, and uh, it was very interesting to see the people from Morocco talking about the auction that they have run in in, in there, uh, and how they have been able to integrate one gigawatt of renewable power in their grids. Uh, it's something that they are able to do that because they have been working 20 years in their grids, and it's something. It's a time that most of the countries do not have, so uh, times are reducing, and we need to find uh, new innovative solutions and in in certain other uh, other countries. So microgrids and minigrids are are a feasible solution for that, and in that case, storage comes again uh, as a as a major player. Uh, if you are able to get cheap wind turbines, cheap uh, PV panels, and merge them with storage. Uh, that's the winning solution to provide a stable and, and, a, and a price-effective grid uh, in, a, in a very short time frame in a, in a defined regional area. So I would definitely go for those two, uh, energy storage and, and grid, uh, grid strengthen. Right. Um, one major success factor for renewables is definitely that the prices have come down so substantially. And one reason for this is that technology has matured, so the technology cost went down dramatically in both wind and solar. But there's also another mechanism which was accelerating this maybe, and this is auctions. And uh, we have seen auctions, uh, especially in solar, I would say, but also I remember in offshore wind in Europe, uh, arriving at uh, really, really competitive kilowatt hour prices. Uh, but there is also a flip side to that. 
Um, number one is uh, it's not so interesting maybe anymore to finance these projects for equity investors because the yield rates are so low. And you might hamper things like local content because only the very, very experienced players can maybe deliver to these low margins. What is your take on this also with view on the Asia-Pacific region? So I think that auctions is a mechanism that provides low pricing, that's for sure. Uh, there's no other mechanism that, that provides a lower price. We've seen that, for instance, in Mexico, where $17 per megawatt hour has been achieved on a wind farm onshore. So it was an unbelievable level uh, just five years ago. And how can you come to those low prices? Frame agreements, lots of expedience, uh, a very strong financial arm, taking bits and pieces from every single part of the project to do savings and to be able to provide low uh, energy price. I think the auctions are, are a, a very uh, good way of, of having this. But having this said, uh, what we are seeing from auctions is that it's also a very good way of shaping your market. So if you are a country that uh, or, or an area that you are very dependent on fossil fuels, that you have a very defined energy, energy matrix, you may use the, your auctions in order to diversify your matrix, in order to allow other energies to penetrate the grid and to balance your system towards the targets that you may want to achieve in the, in the, in the next few years. Things like the integrated resource planning uh, processes in which you take a look at your system, see how the demand is going to evolve, see how the energy matrix is going to evolve, and seeing the gaps that you will have in the next 20 years uh, in order to fill those gaps with, uh, with uh, the kind of generation that you may want to have in order to comply with the targets, emissions, environmental, uh, uh, environmental stewardship, uh, Whatever you want to, whatever targets you may want to comply with, it's it's a very good exercise. So I would say that yes, auctions are a good system, but they have to be very well thought in terms of achieving with them the targets that that you wish for your country, for your area. I think in Asia Pacific, it's still something that it has to be developed. But there are lots of countries, like you were mentioning before, uh, we were mentioning, uh, we were saying Mexico, Germany, Spain. Uh, they have open rounds of auctions, Belgium recently with the offshore wind. Uh, and there are lots of examples on that. But for, for all the regulators and decision makers that may be watching or hearing us, uh, I would say that first think about the targets that you want to achieve with these auctions, not just low price, uh, and then settle up the, the, the framework. Because if that happens, you will have lots of interest, lots of investors, and, and you will get the projects done uh, according to what, what you're expecting. Very good, Carlos. We are recording this episode here at the site of the Singapore International Energy Week 2018. Um, as a final question, I would like to ask you, what is your major takeaway from the conference? I think I have two major takeaways. The first one is that we have a lot of work to do in, in Southeast Asia. Uh, there's, uh, there's a very conventional energy matrix here. There's a lot of work to do in grids as well, and, and not just the, the centralized grids, but also the, the decentralized ones or, or isolated ones. Uh, and then this has to come hand by hand with the regulatory framework work. Uh, so, so that's the, one of the, of, the, of the main takeaways. The second one is that it needs to happen, uh, this kind of mind shift, towards these kind of schemes that we were talking before, uh, towards auction schemes, towards a, a diversification of the matrix, because we're running out of time. 
we need to move faster. That's what our energy transition outlook says. Uh, it, we, are, we need to accelerate this transition. And it's not uh, uh, the time to play the ostrich now and hide uh, the, the head in the, in the sand. It's time to stand up and, and do as much as possible for, for the energy framework that we're working at. Uh, so I would say that, that uh, I, I have those two takeaways, the, the major one about the regulatory framework and the other one about the decarbonization of the, of the matrix in Southeast Asia. So those are the two, the two things that I take with me. Very good. Thank you very much, Carlos, for your good insights and the investment advice. <laughs> <laughs> that was Carlos Albero, Global Finance Segment Leader of DNVGL Energy. Thank you for listening to this DNVGL Talks Energy podcast. To hear more podcasts in the series, please visit dnvgl.com slash talksenergy.